Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Mouth of Time podcast brought to you by the Shields Gazette. I'm Joe Buck and today I'm joined by Miles Starforth. Now Miles, it's been a busy, busy few weeks in the life of Newcastle United. You know, we've had Easter, which has always brings a lot to football. We've had three games in a week, two trips to the capital and then a trip to Villa Park. So before we discuss that, how are you? Are you relaxed after a busy few weeks covering Newcastle United? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It always helps when the, the sun's out. Uh, I think uh, weather's been beautiful this week, so no, all good, thanks, Joe. So as mentioned, we were both we were both at Villa Park last weekend where Newcastle's run of five wins in a row came to an end, courtesy of Jacob Ramsey and a, a brace from Ollie Watkins. It was obviously a very disappointing day for Newcastle. We obviously went knowing it was going to be a tough game. You know, Villa, one of the most informed sides of the country. But what what did you make of the result in Newcastle's performance on the day? Well, firstly, we must document the fact that you you were there with me in the press box, not in the away end, as you normally are. And you've not brought us much luck this season in the press box because you were there at Wembley as well alongside me. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll gloss over that. <laughs> Hopefully, have better luck next time you, you join us there. But, uh, well, it, it was just a surprising performance and a result, really. Everyone was uh, kind of a yard off, as Eddie House said. Um, Villa, Villa came out very, very fast and um, never really let let go of the game. They could have been ahead with a few seconds on the clock. Uh, deservedly took the lead, uh, and then added to that advantage. Really, um, it was just a surprise. We, we were thinking at uh, half time, as Eddie Howe had done at Brentford, that may be a couple of changes. And, and to be honest, it, there was three or four players on that pitch who you could have. Uh, made a case for changing. Um, uh, unlike at Brentford, he, he didn't make a change at the break, uh, and and things didn't get better. But it, it was it, it was just surprising. It was just so unlike them. They were they were there was they lacked the intensity with and without the ball. That's been their hallmark this season, and indeed under Eddie Howe. Um, so to see play, players, you know, second you know second best in in every department, second to balls, second to Second balls, um, lacking kind of pace, purpose on the ball, uh, very uncharacteristic. Absolutely. It, it did seem like Aston Villa almost out Newcastle, Newcastle in a way. As you said, they were just had more energy. The crowd was obviously behind them. I know uh, speaking afterwards and hearing a couple of the Villa players and told that that was one of the best atmospheres they'd had at Villa Park for a long time. And it did seem that Newcastle have done that a lot at St James's Park to teams. And yeah, it just seemed that Villa sort of had the answer on the day. and. It was a disappointing result, but made slightly better by the fact that obviously Bournemouth got that win over Tottenham. We'll touch on the Tottenham game later on, but it did just seem that it was Newcastle's worst performance from my point of view. It was their worst. Performance yeah, I, I think you, you've hit it. There was there was a kind of a seasoned Villa watcher kind of uh, just behind me, and and he was saying that's the best Villa I've played all all season. So you you, you couple a kind of a worst performance with the best performance, and and the result was a, a three 0 def- defeat, and no one could have had any questions about that result really. Um, um, and uh, yeah, and the, what there were changes during the second half. But as, as I said, there could have been a few at the break, and, and I don't think those players could have complained too much because uh, everyone was a yard off the pace. Yeah, one one player has come in for I think unfair criticism in my eyes has been Dan Byrne in recent times. For me, he's been the really important part of you know the best defense in the Premier League. You know they're still four; they've conceded four goals less than Man City, so they are the best defense in the Premier League. But he has come in for a bit of criticism against whether it's so West Ham and Manu, even though the one, he did look like he was struggling at times. And then we saw him 
substituted midway through the second half, you know, Matt Target coming back on. Do you see what what do you think Eddie Howe might do with sort of the Dan Burn Matt Target situation? Do you think he'll stick with his defence or do you think Target might might be offered a opportunity to start? Well firstly you know, it's obvious Villa were getting down the flanks on both sides. Um and it wasn't just Dan Byrne who was struggling. And he clearly he's got a decision to make with Byrne, but I think also he's got a decision to make um elsewhere in the team. And I think, for example, Kieran Trippier, he's not looked this quite the same player without Armiron in front of him. And does Byrne need Jalinton in front of him? It's not just a case of those two players, those two fullbacks, you know, being con- considered on their own. I think it's the balance of the team, the protection they're getting, um, which we should also think about. Obviously, Almiran came off the bench. Um, so you imagine he comes back into the team against Tottenham. That's going to help Trippier out. They've got a good partnership. Almiran gives Trippier that protection. Uh, does Burn or even Target, if he comes into the team, need Jalinton in, in front of them? Um, is it the right time for Anthony Gordon to start again? We don't know about Sam Maximum. I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about him in a minute. Um so certainly, you know, you're right, he's got a decision to make there. But obviously, Matt Target hasn't played much football for, for, for some time now. He came out of the team at, I think it was the start of October. He'd had a bit of illness. Dan Byrne came into the team and speak to Eddie Howe at Villa Park after the game. He One thing he stressed, he, he likes a consistent back four. And, and that consistent back four has delivered an extraordinary defensive record. So he'll... He'll be considering target, uh, bringing target back, but uh, this team defends from the front so effectively normally. So I think it's more about the balance of the, the team as a whole we've got to look at. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we've talked on this podcast in previous weeks about Eddie Howe having a lot of selection headaches, but in a, you know, in a good way. I think he's still got these selection headaches. I think he will turn them into a positive, but I do think he's probably got a lot more to consider for this weekend's game than he has in recent Cause times. It, yeah, because, you know, one option, Longstaff can come back into the team. I think we can both, both I'm sure we both agree, the team missed him. The, the kind of unseen work he does, that maybe frees up Jalinton to, to take a more advanced role on the left. Uh, as we said, Almiran's fit. There's a few decisions to make uh, around the team, but they're kind of good decisions, really, because he's, he's having more or less a fully fit squad um, at the moment. Yeah, I think the one thing Eddie Howe has been reluctant to do throughout this time, really, is push injured players back into the team straight away. We've seen, I know, Almiron was a couple of weeks ahead of schedule. He made his return to Villa Park, started on the bench, but came on about 10 minutes in the second half. With Spurs at the weekend and St. Maximin injured, do you think Almiron gets the opportunity or do you think he has a big role to play, especially in these coming up with the three games inside seven days? I think he does. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he comes back into the team. He's such a naturally fit player. Of course, we don't know the ins and outs of the injury, how, we, how he's done this week. Um, but he had a good week's training last week. Uh, he's had that kind of cameo at Villa Park. So you'd imagine he's ready to start this this game if needed. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of wingers at the club, you know, with Jacob Murphy, Gordon. So St. Maximin, as much as he was he was just coming into a bit of form, you know, had them run of games, it is it is disappointing to see him out injured. But it will be someone where when he comes back, or even if he's on you know on the bench having to start a couple of games, he's he is a difference maker. And I think that as much as Almi Ron, it is good to see him back. I think having St. Maximin in around that team, Newcastle are a better team with him, as much as he does divide the fan base. Yeah, again, I say certainly for me, Almiron is a strong contender to come back into the team. Sam Maximum, he, he'd started to find form with that run of games. Uh, we'd started to see the Sam Maximum of old, uh, but this this set with 
with this latest setback, I think they'll be pretty cautious with him. Um, we'll obviously have to find out to, tomorrow exactly what the situation um, is with him. Um, Eddie Howe last week confirmed he'd been away in France. It was hardly a secret, really. We'd seen the pictures he'd posted, um, getting some treatment. Um, so hopefully that uh, that will have brought forward, you know, his, his return date, the work he's been putting in. Um, but he does have options, you know. Obviously, Gordon Gordon's very much in the frame, uh, and Jalint and potentially can can play in a more advanced role uh, if uh, Longstaff comes back into the team. Absolutely, plenty of decisions for how to make in a game that I, I don't want to call it, um, you know, a win or bust game for Newcastle, but it certainly feels like a season-defining game, doesn't it, against Tottenham on Sunday? Yeah, I, I, I hate the kind of the phrase must win games because in, invariably when they're taught as must win games, team, teams tend to lose those games. And, you know, in a cup, cup game could be a must win game. But this this game, I think, uh, you know, it's, first of all, it's important not to lose it. Obviously, this team we know set out to win every game. They're not not a team that's going to go in and looking to take a, take a point. Um but yeah, in terms of the uh, how the next few weeks are going to play out, this game really sets sets the team up potentially um, for a, for a f- top four finish. Yeah, it's it's going to be one where the, for me the crowd will have a massive impact. I think we saw you know against Arsenal last year when a team comes with a, you know something like that they can crumble you know under the pressure and atmosphere. Newcastle will obviously thrive under that. I think Spurs are probably the team. If you wanted any team to be chasing for that top four, it's maybe Spurs. They do have a bit of inconsistency. Obviously, haven't got a, a permanent manager. They've got Christine Cellini in there. Do you do you think Newcastle will come out on a on a you know on a positive result on Sunday and you know really really you know cement their Champions League hopes? And again, anyhow, Villa Park he talk, talked about the response, the reaction, and we and we've seen that from this team when they have suffered. Um, setbacks and defeats uh, and I think we'll see a reaction in the crowd as you said it will help you know that those big occasions big games at St James's Park uh, are so special and I think let's hope we're in for one again and and Tottenham of course you've got a lot of quality in in that squad but they've they're in all all kinds of other problems at that that club as well uh, they're not in a great place um they'll be uh, you know their fans will be very concerned about what the what what uh what uh, the future hold? I was on the driving back from Villa, Villa last weekend and uh, listened to the phone in and some of the Tottenham fans calling in. Um, gave a li- little insight into to the minds of their supporters. Uh, Newcastle United is in a very different position. Um, it's such a positive place at the minute for so many reasons. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you, you certainly hope they can they can win this one, and that really sets them sets them up for the final few games. Absolutely, and you know, there's eight games left of the season. Go and you guys have got eight games left of the season, and we play. You know, they play three within a week. They've got Everton on the Thursday at Goodison Park, and then they play Southampton. Those games look kind of on paper, but as we saw, especially with the the game away at Everton last year, you know that's not the case. Obviously, Newcastle then lost in the last minute that one. They'll obviously want to avoid a repeat this this time. How important are them two games after Spurs? You know the. All the focus on Spurs now, and rightly so, it's a massive game. But how big is their reaction with them too, and making sure that they get positive results in those? Yeah, ones? yeah. Every game is going to be hugely important. Um, Everton, you'd imagine, you know, they look like they were becoming a harder side to beat, but then they've they've had some uh, some big setbacks. They've 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 only won once, um, really recently. Uh, so they've got their own their own problems. Southampton, um, the same, another another struggling team. You can't see a way back for them necessarily, but. Uh, 
obviously Eddie Howe be treating every game in its isolation in, in isolation. Um, but it's not as if uh, you know Newcastle have got uh, Man City, they've got Liverpool. These are these are games you're going to go into thinking you can certainly uh, certainly win. Absolutely. Just before we finish, we'll touch a little bit on the women's game on that happened last Sunday. They played Bradford at St James's Park. Now I spoke to Becky Langley and a couple of the players before then, and they were really, you know, they, their message was there's you know plenty of points. Well, there's points to be on for the field. They need the goal difference to overcome Durham Cestry at the top of the league. But they were really about inspiring, you know, a generation of young boys and girls who can watch that team at St James's Park. It's Newcastle women, obviously. Their, their destiny's in their own hands at the top of the table. Um, what do you make about the whole women's setup? And obviously Amanda Savely, we saw great videos of her dancing with the with the group. What it's just a nice, it's a good place to be. You know, the women's football at the club, it's a good place right now, isn't it? Yeah, I took took my daughter along. Um, she's seven year old, plays football herself. Um, and it's great to have those kind of um those female role models for all the girls in the city who who are playing football. And I just to my experience of taking my daughter, I know What's going on around the city? How 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 women's and girls teams are uh, uh, you know are multiplying? There's, there's there's more girls every year taking part in this sport, which is fantastic to see. Um, and again, it was a great to see such a such a big crowd. Um, I know. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, and, and obviously you know I know they were they, they were keen for another record crowd, and, and it was another huge crowd really, uh, and a fantastic atmosphere. And obviously to top it all off, it was a great win, and that goal difference has narrowed, though it's looking awfully close. Really, um, you just hope they can do it because re they really need to take this step forward and, and climb a league and uh, um, head towards you know that that women's super league, which is it is the goal of uh, Amanda Stavely and the club now. But it's just great to see the women's team. Um, getting the support as you know for years they didn't have that they were, they were run through the foundation they didn't have the backing the funding that they needed to progress um and it's fantastic for the for this team to see them progressing uh, and let's hope they can do it this season absolutely the women's team is just one facet of what you know what's really exciting time at the club at the minute so um miles thank you for joining me today and for everyone listening to the mouth of the time podcast don't forget you can sign up for our football newsletter that will bring you the very best Newcastle United coverage straight to your inbox by visiting www.shieldsgazette.com forward slash newsletter.